Webster's Dictionary defines compliance as the action or fact of complying with a wish or command. This is the Compliance Guy. The Compliance Guy. As a healthcare provider or healthcare professional, navigating the muddy waters of compliance can get tricky. And that's why we're here. Helping you mitigate risk while increasing your profitability. This is the Compliance Guy. Now, here's your host, Sean Weiss. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Daily Dose on the Compliance Guy. I'm Sean Weiss. And as always, I want to begin by saying thank you all so much for tuning in, logging on, and just hanging out with me for a little while as I get to talk about regulatory compliance, healthcare, and all things that matter to our industry. Today, I want to do something a little bit different. Recently, I was asked to write the foreword of a new book that has just come out called Medical Politics by Dr. Stephen Solway. Many of you may remember Dr. Solway. He was on the Compliance Guy podcast. I think it was maybe episode 22. And we talked about his first book, which was Bad Medicine. Great book. Really interesting. Um, Dr. Solway, honestly, is probably one of the most interesting people I've met in my entire career. Um, But when he decided to sit down and write the sequel, Medical Politics, he reached out and inquired as to whether or not I would be willing to write the foreword of his new book. It was very humbling. It's been an absolute privilege. But it was also one of the most difficult tasks that I've been asked to do. Tomorrow, Thursday, the 27th of October, Dr. Solway is going to be on my podcast that will be live streamed on LinkedIn and all of the other platforms that we are on as well as uh, going straight to podcast. But today, I thought that I would read to you the foreword of this book because I want this book to be in the hands of every healthcare professional, every um, consumer of healthcare services, Because it's that important. I've had the privilege of reading the book. It's a great book. Very interesting. But it is called Medical Politics because there is a significant layer and level of political action that drives this industry. Now, with everything that I do, I always try to remain as as apolitical as possible. I am an equal opportunity uh, uh, slayer. I will go after the folks on the right just as quick as I will go after the folks on the left, just as fast as I will go off after the folks in the middle. I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party member, or a member from an alien species. 
if I think there's a problem, I'm going to call it out. But I will tell you my foreword, if you listen to it careful enough, you will actually understand that these are not partisan political shots that I'm taking because these individuals that are mentioned in my foreword have actually stated what it is that I'm going to recount for you in this foreword. So without further ado, here is the landscape of healthcare. The foreword for Dr. Stephen Solway's Medical Politics book. My introduction to Stephen Solway, MD, was typical in my line of work. Payers were auditing and demanding money back from his rheumatology practice in New Jersey, and he had had, had enough. My firm is engaged in a number of payer issues, both on the government and commercial payer side, and had success in getting payers to back down or close their investigations. Stephen's story of ongoing harassment by payers would have been just another hundreds of thousands of stories. But he has been fighting back, forcing payers to make decisions in his favor that they otherwise would not have made. When I was first asked to write the foreword to this book, I was caught by surprise. But as I listened to Dr. Soloway, Doc as I like to refer to him, I realized that not only did I have to, but also it became my mission. Physicians all over the country, just like Stephen, are fed up with the government's, their contractors, and commercial payers' unethical business practices, but struggle with how to fight back. This book is a roadmap for healthcare providers and healthcare professionals to utilize lessons learned for you and your organization. If you don't consider healthcare to be political, you should. And by the end of this book, you will. Politics has been playing a heavy role in healthcare because it's a $3.65 trillion industry. Approximately 18% of the United States gross domestic product. Approximately 784,000 companies are in the healthcare space with McKesson being the largest by revenue at $208.3 billion. One of the biggest problems we face, if not the biggest, is that costs for healthcare are two times higher in the United States than anywhere else in the world. Yet, sadly, we rank 11th in the world in performance. That includes access to care, care process, administrative efficiency, equality, and healthcare outcomes, which falls well below other countries such as Switzerland and Canada. However, the landscape of healthcare is dynamic and continuously evolving or regressing depending on where you sit in your role as a healthcare professional. Healthcare will play a key role in the 2024 presidential election, right behind inflation, crime, and border security. The health emergency of the pandemic exposed the many failures of leadership at health systems, of elected officials, and of those responsible for the supply chain. 
resulting in catastrophic failures and unnecessary death for so many. More and more Americans are recognizing the ride we have been taken on by corporations that reaped some of the highest profits ever as government has increased the sustainability of Social Security and the Medicare Trust Fund well beyond initial expectations. This is based largely on the amount of money coming back into the system from recoveries, court verdicts, and settlement agreements. Members of our government who were put in place to protect us boldly lied to Congress and to the American people about many things, including but not limited to the number of COVID-19-related deaths, whether masks protect us, the actual origins of the virus, and having enough tests, including at-home rapid tests. We dealt with the virus that had 20-plus variants and was more adaptable than the politicians elected by the people for the people. The first year of the Biden White House and the Democratic-led Congress showed inconsistencies and failure in policy. This is not a partisan shot, but a statement based on the administration's and Democrats' own acknowledgement of failure. Policies on boosters, at-home testing, masking, and quarantines made the country's Omicron wave far worse than it should have been. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Food and Drug Administration, and the National Institutes of Health were slow to respond and inconsistent with their messaging and, in several instances, went against generally accepted standards of medical care to continue pushing forward political narratives for their boss on Pennsylvania Avenue. Congressional hearings have exposed the deception and, in many cases, the cover-up of incompetence. Many politicians use the pandemic to grab political power and to politicize the health system to a level not seen before. Executive orders and false narratives led to our country teetering on the brink of recession. Inflation accelerated by 7.5% between January of 2020 and January of 2021. A 40-year high as gas prices soared across the country with oil crossing the $100 per barrel threshold at times. Paychecks have been eroded by 1.7% since 2021, and the Medicare Part B premium increase our seniors were hit with is the largest in history. Going to the grocery store costs consumers close to $1,000 per month more than what they had been paying for decades. That's more painful than going to the proctologist. In July of 2020, the inflation was reported at 9.1%, far beyond what the Biden administration, including Janet Yellen of the Federal Reserve, believed it would be, further crushing American families and businesses. President Biden blamed the failures of his administration on Trump, Trump supporters, COVID-19, and the Saudi crown prince, who was referred to as leading a pariah state, but then in July, 
Biden went on bended knee asking for increases in oil production from the Saudis and OPEC. Until members of his own party and those in mainstream media who supported him and the Democratic Party turned on him. Then came the Russian invasion of Ukraine, a new convenient situation to blame for a complete and utter failure of this administration. Government is inefficient and incapable of doing things well, which is why the private sector in healthcare is so critical to sustainability and advancements in treatment. But Biden and his, and his administration were only just beginning to wreak havoc on the healthcare industry. All the Trump era policies that reduced the regulatory burden on providers and the industry were erased with the stroke of a pen, creating what can only be described as the new era in healthcare. Think about this. In fiscal year 2021, the government recouped from providers more than $1.8 billion, and it wasn't just from hospitals or health systems. In fiscal year 2021, the Department of Justice opened 831 new criminal health care fraud investigations. Federal prosecutors filed criminal charges in 462 cases involving 741 defendants. A total of 312 defendants were convicted of health care fraud-related crimes during the year. Also, in fiscal year 2021, DOJ opened 805 new civil health care fraud investigations and had 1,432 civil health care fraud matters pending at the end of the fiscal year. The Federal Bureau of Investigation investigative efforts resulted in over 559 operational disruptions of criminal fraud organizations and the dismantlement of the criminal hierarchy of more than 107 healthcare fraud criminal enterprises. But it didn't stop there. In fiscal year 2021, investigations conducted by HHS Office of Inspector General resulted in 504 criminal actions against individuals or entities that engaged in crimes related to Medicare and Medicaid and 669 civil actions which included false claims and unjust enrichment lawsuits filed in federal district court and civil monetary penalty settlements. HHS-OIG also excluded 1,689 individuals and entities from participation in Medicare, Medicaid, and other federal health care programs. Among these, were among these were exclusions based on criminal convictions for crimes related to Medicare and Medicaid, which was 569, or to other healthcare programs, 267, for beneficiary abuse or neglect, 145, and as a result of state healthcare licensure revocations, 536. Recently, I was the expert in one of the largest healthcare fraud trials our country has seen. The defendants were also charged with 54 counts of violation of the Substance Control Act and the healthcare fraud statute in the amount of $484 million. One of the defendants spent three and a half years in federal detention and was denied bail and compassionate release nine times, while others were basically put out of business and bankrupted. At the end of the trial, he and the other three defendants were found not guilty on all counts. 
Something like this can happen to anyone, anywhere, and at any time. This was a political hack on the part of the government. So much so that one of the prosecutors resigned on the last day of the trial. I hope providers and healthcare professionals will take proactive steps to mitigate risk and realize that no one is immune to aggressive investigations and overzealous prosecutions. Every administration has had missteps and missed opportunities to fix the healthcare system, but all made empty promises. Whether it was President Clinton failing to sign the Patient Bill of Rights, President George W. Bush failing to address the problem of millions of uninsured Americans and the rising costs of health care, refusing to expand eligibility for the state children's health insurance program, taking maneuvers to cut Medicaid spending, or making unjustified subsidies for private health plans. President Obama enacting the Affordable Care Act and forcing providers onto electronic medical records. Or Trump failing to repeal and replace ACA. Some of these former presidents were influenced by corporate money, where others were just incompetent in the healthcare space because they aligned themselves with equally incompetent yes people. Although all of the aforementioned presidents most likely had good intentions regarding how to fix the healthcare system, no matter what they did, it would simply not be enough given the state of the industry and the level of corruption. Overzealous and inexperienced prosecutors at the Department of Justice are aggressively pursuing providers in the name of integrity of the Medicare Trust Fund. The Office of Inspector General predicts $3 billion in recoveries in fiscal year 2022, which will drastically exceed fiscal year 2021 from a variety of providers, including hospitals, nursing homes, infusion centers, physician practices and physician groups, ambulatory surgery centers, pharmacies, and suppliers. Azarverse Alina Health Systems, which was a 2019 Supreme Court ruling, pushed back on the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services for making substantive changes to policies not put through formal rulemaking process. However, the DOJ and OIG continue to rely on subregulatory documents as opposed to following regulations and pushing the envelope to see to what extent they can get away with policing the U.S. health system. Bounty hunters, such as recovery audit contractors, Medicare administrative contractors, unified program integrity contractors, they are all incentivized to take aggressive positions against providers of healthcare services because they are shielded from liability by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. They make determinations that adversely affect physicians' ability to render care to their patients. One might call the process witch hunts. These contractors typically have five-year terms, and if they fail to demonstrate return on investment, their contracts might not be renewed. So taking overzealous positions on audits or investigations should be expected by providers of medical care. Commercial insurance companies such as United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, and Humana continue to cut provider reimbursement and patient access to care, including testing, procedures, medications, all in the name of profit. 
As a subject matter expert who consults and testifies in a number of federal civil and criminal health care cases each year and testifies in dozens of administrative proceedings, I can share with you firsthand accounts of the dysfunction of the system and the uneven playing field. I have testified in cases in which the prosecutor read from a Medicare manual not realizing that section failed to apply to the type of entity being prosecuted. I am constantly engaged in negotiations between providers and the Office of Inspector General, which in the last year seems to have lost its willingness to engage in good faith negotiations and instead takes aggressive, over-the-top positions to try to force a settlement since it knows litigating a $150,000 case is simply not feasible. Insurance companies expect providers to render services without the companies paying them or paying them accurately or paying them in a timely manner. Some government and commercial payers place providers on 100% prepayment review, which leads either to delayed payment or no payment at all. But they expect providers to render services and expend costs with great financial risk. I have had payers say on calls, contractually, you have to see and treat our patients, to which we respond, you have to pay the claims. When you have paid the claims correctly and timely, we will again see and treat your members. It's business 101. You can't continue to spend money and render services for free and expect to have a sustainable business model. Ultimately, you have to stand your ground with payers to not only sustain, but also thrive in this industry. At the end of this year, 2022, I will have dedicated 28 years to the healthcare industry. I've been blessed to have a career that I truly enjoy and have given my very best to. I have been honored throughout my career with awards, accolades, and recognition. I've engaged with members of Congress in both the upper and lower chambers, worked for the Department of Defense in Europe, both at Launchstool and Ramstein Air Bases, interviewed some of the most influential and important people in our industry, published in the industry's most authoritative sources, served on a governor's task force, and lectured at some of the most prestigious institutions in this great country of ours. But the most important thing I accomplished over my career was to create lifelong friendships with some of the most amazing and interesting people. Stephen Solway is not only an interesting person, but also quite possibly the most interesting man I've ever known. After reading Bad Medicine, Stephen's first book, I kept thinking there has to be a sequel. Well, here it is, and I could not be more excited about it. All right, that brings me to the end of the foreword. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that gives you some motivation to go out and buy Dr. Solway's new book, Medical Politics. I will post a link as to where you can find it online. Again, tomorrow, Dr. Solway will be joining me live for a streaming podcast on uh, your favorite podcast uh, platform and streaming platforms. I hope you'll be able to join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on Thursday, October 27th, 2022. Until tomorrow, remember, be good to yourself, but more importantly, y'all be good to each other. Take care. You've been listening to The Compliance Guy. 
Sean has been doing this for 28 years. He holds 10 national board certifications. He's a partner and the vice president of compliance for Doctors Management, LLC. He's a subject matter expert in federal court. He's lectured at the most prestigious institutions. He's engaged with members of Congress in both chambers. So what we're saying is he's qualified? We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can find us on social media at The Compliance Guy. See you next time on The Compliance Guy. <laughs>